Hello, everybody, and praise the mighty name of Jesus. My name is Pastor Jonathan with the Church of Jubilee. Welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. As you know, we've been talking about a series called Detoxing the Mind. We've been basing off our scriptures and our series on the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. And we also are running that scripture along with 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 5. Uh, today's word is more along the lines of continuing on our series, talking about the power of influence. The power of influence is knowing that there is influence all around us and it is all around the world. And we are constantly being bombarded with the world's influence and what their ideologies are and what their standards are. And, you know, God wants to rid you from those kind of toxins. That's another form of toxin that has to deal with influence. And we want you, I encourage you to be the influencer in your, wherever you're at. If you're, if you're in school, if you have a job that you, you're a supervisor in, if you're not a supervisor, wherever it is that you may find yourself, I pray that you may be the influencer and not the influencee. Another way that the enemy attacks us also is through our self-worth. There's many times we don't feel worth it. We go through so many things in life that we give up and the enemy brings quite a bit of our past against us and he beats us and he pressures us into believing that we're not worth it. But John 3.16 and verses uh, John 3.16 and 17 say that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then it says, for God did not send the son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Your worth is priceless. And I pray that as you listen to this message, I pray that the Holy Spirit begins to speak to your life. I pray that you allow the Lord to move in your life, to apply this word, to recognize when toxin is hitting you and impacting your body and impacting your mind and that you may rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I pray that this week's message bless you. Subscribe to our podcast, share it if you have not already. Someone needs to hear this and you have found yourself listening to it. It is no coincidence. I believe that God has a word for you. God bless you. This is Pastor Jonathan with the Church of Jubilee. We've been talking about the visual aspects of toxin. We've been talking about the audio visual, um, audio part of toxins. We've been talking about social media. But I want to talk to you today about the power of influence. The power of influence is very different from a lot of what we've been going on, uh, what we've been speaking about. Amen. And we know that the Lord has continued to bring that revelation. It's bring that revelation into our minds, into areas that we need to rid our minds and our thoughts. Hallelujah. So another way that the enemy comes to attack in the form of toxin is through the power of influence. And, and this power of influence is something that where we are not the influencers. What I mean by that is, we don't influence somebody to do something. They influence us to do things. Okay? And when I talk about they, I am talking about everybody that is in the world that does not believe the word of God and live according to the word of God. Right? There is, there's these ideas that we talked about last Sunday. There's these thoughts. There's these uh, way of doing things. But we're living in a very influential time where all around us, we are encountering persecution. We're being, uh, you know, it, it is now, it's like weird to be a Christian nowadays. Do you know that? People look at you like, oh, you're one of them. Oh, you believe in God? Oh, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Goodness, right? Um, you know, you have those people. And then you have the people that say, I believe in a God, but his name is Satan. 
you have those as well. All right. And this is real. This is not, I'm not making any of this up. They're, they're, they're out there. And then there's others that say, I believe in a God, but I believe that there's a higher being, but I don't acknowledge God. I believe that science is what brought us to this point. So all around our area, all around, we are encountering, as a Christian body, we are being persecuted on all levels. Amen? We're, we're continually being bombarded, like I mentioned, where it's weird to be a Christian, and it's better, and you're normal when you don't believe in a God that died for you. When you don't believe that there's a God that came to save you and set you free, it's easier to believe that we came from monkeys than it is to believe that we came from God. Amen? And one of the things that I want you to take away from this is that I'm not here to pinpoint anybody in particular, but I want you to know that, you know, as a Christian, haven't you noticed that you get asked like 50,000 questions? You get asked all these questions about why do you guys do that? And why do you believe in that? And why don't you do this? And why don't you drink? And why don't you go party? And why don't you go and just be yourself? And why do you have to be someone you're not? And, and why do you have to be, right? You, ask, I get, you get asked all these questions. It's like, really? Do they really want to know? Or, or is it a form that the enemy uses to get into your mind and say, yeah, that's right. Why don't I do all that stuff? Am I really that different? The influence poisons our minds. It's an influence that the world says, hey, live for yourself. Live it up. Live life to the fullest. You get one life. Live it. It's, it's a mentality that comes in a, and it attacks your mind saying, hey, you can do whatever you want. Live for yourself, dude. Why would you want to live for this God who, who, hates, who hates people and who kills them. What do you mean he kills them? Yeah, he lets these big national disasters happen. And, and 100,000 people are dead. If there was a God, why isn't he there? Those are questions we're asked, amen? And it's much easier. Listen to this. You know, we, we have some awesome technology. I embrace technology, you know, social media. I, uh, I embrace it. <laughs> She's feeling that, huh? She, you know, I embrace social media. I embrace the new technology that we have online. And, you know, and the Internet can be used for good. We're using it right now through Facebook Live right now. We're using it for good. It's something that we are proclaiming the word of God through a virtual technology. But I want you to think about the times we live in now, Brother Freddie. Think about this. It is much easier to have an avatar or an emoji or some kind of gamer online profile or some kind of um, gamer tag and hide behind that and say, hey, this is who I am. I'm that good. But they only know you as their ga your, your gamer tag. Or they only know you as your avatar. Or they only see the emoji, but they don't know you as a person, but they know you who you are because of the reputation you have. And we live in a technology where we have an identity crisis at times. Amen? We have people that don't know who they are because they want to be somebody they're not. They want to hide behind an avatar and say, this is who I am. A cartoon-like character. I'm that person. Because God forbid you know the real me. Because if you know the real me, you probably won't want to hang around me. Hallelujah. That's the world we live in. It's a mentality. It's an influence that's all around that says, don't be content with who you are. Don't be satisfied with who you are. Just be like this person or be like that person. Or, you know, you see the, the perfect marriages on TV. They're the, you know, they get these 60-day, what is it, 90-day fiancé, right? 90-day fiancés are getting married in 90 days, and they think they find true love, and they come together, and the TV makes it look like, oh, that's so sweet. Look at these guys. They're in love. And then they separate, and they go back, and then they're like, you know, it's a mess. 
that's what the influence that this world has is putting in our minds. It's like, this is okay. And then, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a lot more um, commercials about uh, alternate lifestyles. You know, you see them in the commercials. Before, you wouldn't see a man and a man or a woman and a woman, and they wouldn't be doing anything like that. Nowadays, you're starting to see more and more of it. You're starting to see, like, a kiss here and there or, you know, just like a, hey, you know, he puts his hand on that person, and you're like, that's odd. I've never seen that before. But think about this. We, 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 take a, we can't even take, at times, a, a normal picture without having like a thousand filters on it. Why? Because we want to be somebody different. Because we're not maybe okay with what God has made us. And I'm speaking to everybody in the church, out there, in here, out there in the body of Christ. We have a problem where we, this world is putting so much junk in our minds that we think it's okay to be like someone else. When all God wants you to be is just you. He wants us to be us with all our imperfections, with all our failures. He says, I don't care to be how many filters you want to be. I want you to be you. I want you to be true. I want you to be tried. I want you to be tested at times and know that you are somebody that I have my eye on. Hallelujah. So we live in this False sense of reality, hallelujah, where we have the ability. We, you know, I was telling my wife the other day, I have over, my wife and I shared an account one time, and then we decided to separate the accounts because every time I would comment, they'd be like, oh, thank you, sister. And then and she would comment, they'd be like, oh, thank you, brother. And we're like, okay, this isn't working. So we're just going to separate it, and that way, you know, it's, it's much easier to distinguish. But here's the thing that I want to go with that. I had 600 and something friends. I was like, Okay, that's a record for me because I'm like, I don't even know probably 400 of those people. I don't even know. I don't know how I got 600 friends. But I think I just accept friendships and, fr and friendships. I don't know, hoping that they'll be blessed by our ministry. But here's the thing that I want to tell you. Some of us are so worried about what the world tells us we, to be accepted because to be accepted means we got to have 600 friends. Because if we don't have 600 friends, we're they're all sad and depressed. Because if we don't get that one or two likes, we're like... That means it wasn't important. Because I can tell you firsthand, I have 600 friends, but on average, I, I see about maybe 14 likes on everything I post. Out of 600 friends, my so-called social media friends don't have the time to say, I like that, what you put. Half a second. Or to even share it. But the world says, Brother Freddie, if you don't have these friends, you're not important. If you don't have a thousand friends, you're not important. If you don't have 50 likes, you're not important. Nobody likes your stuff. And you're not worth it. And nobody wants to see what you have. Isn't that what the enemy tells you? Come on, can we just be real? You put a picture up, you put a filter on, you look nice, and you only get like two likes. You're like, oh man, was I that bad or what? Did I scare somebody away? Did I scare somebody? Because, I mean, 600 friends, two likes, uh, man. That's the world we live in, though. It teaches us that we have to want someone else's approval. We have to want someone else to give us that. Yes, you've done well today. Yes, I like this picture. Oh, because you liked it. That means it's important. Wrong. Wrong. Whether you like it or not, it's important. Because there's a God that says, if you find yourself in me, God says, I will give you all the approval you need. You won't have to depend on a man or a woman to give you that approval. 
Amen? You won't have to depend on your social media friends to, get, to make you feel special because you will know that I have called you for a greater purpose. That special that you feel, it can only come from Jesus because that's the only way it works. Because if you expect your pastor to like a comment or a post to make you feel important, you're completely wrong on it. But we do live in the world where people don't have time to like a post or a picture because they're just too busy. And that's okay. They can be busy all they want. Well, don't call me a friend if you can't support the ministry God has given me. Hallelujah. But the power of the influence is that you have to be the influencer. This is why I tell you, it, you know, I see those likes and I'm like, you know, at first the enemy comes in my mind and says, man, look, you only got like 10 likes. And I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Because whether somebody liked it or not doesn't mean it didn't get to them. Because if they looked at my video, at the video that the church puts out, and, and they, they, they gave thanks to God, then it's accomplished. Mission accomplished. Simple as that. Right? Because why? The word of God says in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 13, says that you are the salt of the earth. How many of you know what salt does for your food? Huh? Amen, right? For all my barbecue lovers, you know, you put salt on things, it tastes very nice, good barbecue. You have to know that you, the Bible says, you are the salt of the earth. But then he says this, but if the salt loses its saltiness, which means if the salt doesn't have flavor, how can it be made salty again? If you forget who you are in Christ because the power of influence is that you're being the influencee and not the influencer, then guess what happens? You begin to lose your saltiness. You begin to lose the flavor, the flavor of God that is with you. And people begin to see you as just, ah, they're just another person. Instead of seeing, you know, there's something about that person. It says, but if the salt, it loses the saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But verse 16 says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Before who? Before others. Don't worry about the likes. You keep being you. You keep doing what God wants you to do. Because if your light is shining, then it's shining upon everyone else. Amen. You're not having to worry about a light having someone else's light having to shine on your property. Because your property is shining bright. And it says, I serve the Lord. I serve Jesus Christ. In him is my trust. Hallelujah. And you have to understand that they, the word of God says that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father, not you. Amen to that? You're getting this now where I'm going with the social media thing? I'm just using that because it's easy to pick on that, right? We get those likes. Who does they, if we get a like, what does that feel like? Oh, they like what I put. But if they don't like, they didn't like what I put, right? But if you think about it in the spiritual sense, whether they liked it or not, it doesn't matter. Because my light shines. And my light shone and shined throughout the whole time. Amen? That's the power of influence, and it's around us. I challenge you, church, to ask God, God, let me be an influencer and not the influencee. Let me be influencing somebody's life that even if I just talk to them for five minutes, it's that much of an impact that the light shines, that the salt adds flavor to their life. I'm going with another topic. 
Many of our churches today are struggling, tying piggyback, piggybacking off of social media, that we're struggling today with an identity crisis because we're hearing all around that we always have to measure up to somebody, that we are not good enough, and we lose ourselves in the process. Amen? And this toxin, it infiltrates your mind, this toxin of self-worth, which means you begin to see a picture of a, I said this last Friday, and I'm going to go touch up on it again. You see a picture of a nice a young model who has all the right curves and all the right things to wear and all the right makeup and everything. And then you look at yourself and you say, well, nothing like that. So I'm ugly. I'm not good enough for that for that model because the model the world says that this looks good and I don't fit into that self-worth so then you begin to say I'm worthless I don't feel good I don't feel like I'm really that attractive I don't feel that I'm really you know that my husband loves me or that my wife loves me or my girlfriend or my boyfriend I just because I'm not like that And that's a toxin that hits your mind. It infiltrates your mind. It gets in there and it makes you doubt yourself. It makes you feel like you're worthless. It makes you feel that you don't have a purpose. It makes you feel that you're never enough. Hallelujah. And according to the world, you will never be enough. But for God, God says, forget all about all that. Just be you. Just be you. I embrace my spot here. For those of you who have wondered, I'm sure you're like, what is that on his head? This is a birthmark. I was born with it. I can't explain why it got there. Doctors have their, their uh, theory, and I'm like, oh, well, right? I mean, I could cover it up, let my hair grow out, and you wouldn't see it. It's a part of me. It doesn't make a difference whether someone thinks that it good, looks good or not because I am who I am. Talk to me for 10 minutes and see if you don't feel different. Because that's where the Lord is going to shine through, not that. But the enemy leads you to believe that he adds his toxin and he tells you, you know, you can't recover from what you've done. It's too bad. You've done this. You've done some messed up stuff. You've betrayed family. You've done, you've done so much. You can't recover from that. The devil tells you and lies to you through this thought, through this thought of self-worthlessness. And you start thinking to yourself, you know, you're right. I, I think my sin is just too big for God. I don't want to bring it out because it's going to hurt and, and because it's just too much for God. Or maybe you're like me and at one point in your life you made a promise to God. Maybe you promised God something and you said, God, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to ever do that, God. And guess what? You failed. And then what does the devil tell you? You're a failure, you see? You said you promised God. Now he's going to hold you up there and he's going to beat you until because you promised him. You can't make promises to God. Well, I agree that keep your promises to what you can deliver on. God doesn't look at that. But the devil tells and he lies to us. And he tells us, you see, you're worthless now. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about you because, because you're, you're not good enough and, and, and because you messed up and because you're a failure, hallelujah, and, and that what you've done, um, you know, people are going to look at you all wrong. and It's just lies, lies. But a change happens when you begin to know God, amen? You, you begin to understand that you are worth it and more to God. You know why I tell you that? Because before he, you even loved God, he loved you. Do you know that? And you might say, well, I, he didn't have to die for me. No, he didn't, but he did. He did die for you. 
so that you and I can sit here today and say, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Because if it was up to the devil, I'd be dead. <laughs> if it was up to this world, I would be put on a pedestal and be made fun of. But God said, I got to make this right. Adam messed up. Eve messed up. Is they separated themselves from me? I got to make it right. So I'm going to go and allow myself from heaven. I'm going to go into this manifestation of a man. I'm going to take the form of a man. And I'm going to go and suffer. <laughs> suffer for absolutely nothing wrong that he did. But he said, I'll do it for you. It also tells you this toxin also show, shares with you that you're worthless because no one, because of a relationship you once had. Because of somebody that you talked to that you liked or somebody that you had a relationship with treated you bad and, and totally picked you up, turned you around, spit you, spat you out. And then all of a sudden you think that that's the way you should think. You, you begin to let that poison poison your mind and that toxin gets in there. And before you know, you're like, I'm not even worth it. I don't even know why I'm even here in this life. I don't know why I'm even here. Nobody cares about me. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody wants to even, to even ask about me. And you go into this mode of self-pity. It's toxin, church. It's toxin. It's, it's what the devil is putting in your mind. you got to rebuke that and ask God, remove it. Because God's way of thinking is, yeah, you've gone through that. Yeah, they've done that to you. But I am somebody that's in your life that I've never left you. You may have left me for a while, but I stood here with your bags waiting for you to come back. And when you came back, I said, I love you. Come here. Give me a hug. I need a hug. You Give me a hug. I'm going to hug you back. What does the word of God say in John 3, 16? How many of you know that? Raise your hand if you know it. Perfect. All right. I have at least a few peeps. I'm going to go over it. You see it on billboards all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? God so loved you. That he gave his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. Which means not perish, not die, not go down the drain, not be somebody's wastebasket. He says that you may not perish, but have everlasting life. And then you want to hear something else? Here's what God says. For he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Which means his purpose isn't for you to live a life in failure that you would never ever make it out of. He says, but that the world through him might be saved. Are you getting that? He came to die for you so that you wouldn't have to live a life of disaster. So you wouldn't have to live a life that's failed. You can live a life of victory. But you have to change. A change has to happen. You've been handpicked by God for his purpose. It's time that we get the toxin out. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you. Your worth was based upon the cross. And he gave you this price. The devil may have you as, he probably had you like, let's say, super low value. Said, oh, if you want to buy her or him, you, you, you know, it's cheap. Just buy cheap. But when God came and said, I'm going to give my life for you on a cross and pay innocent blood for you, that made your price worth priceless hallelujah and that priceless worth hallelujah is what the devil keeps trying to attack he wants you to give up yourself so that you're not worth it and this is why we start hearing about suicide and this is why we start hearing about depression because you have low standards at times you you, you bring yourself down you see the enemy's job is to make you think other things that are not of God. So if he makes you feel worthless and you say, I'm worthless, then he's done his job. 
He's not going to do it. He's going to make you think that. And then they'll say, why don't you kill yourself? You're not worth it to anybody. Kill yourself. Go ahead. They're going to, when you, I promise you that when you die, they're going to be so happy and they're going to just, they're going to be like, oh, we miss him. And now you're going to get the attention. That's a lie. A lie straight from the devil. And it doesn't happen overnight for some people. It takes time. They go through relationships. Relationship after relationship. And, you know, I, I, I thought about this and God gave me this. Sometimes we're like a tire. Everybody knows what a tire is, right? You put a tire on a vehicle. You go 100,000 miles. Oh, that's, that's actually very, very, very well good. You go for 35,000 miles. You start showing some wear and tear. And then guess what? The enemy comes and says, let me resell you to another relationship. That first relationship didn't work out. I'm going to sell you to another. Oh, hey, get that young man or young girl over here. I'm going to get them in a relationship here. I'm going to make them fall in love. And then they're going to use them for another 35,000 miles, and they're going to get rid of them. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're a worn-out tire that has been used and used through relationship, from relationship to relationship, from family to family, from church to church. And, and you're like a used, worthless tire. And the whole reason behind that is because we haven't allowed ourselves to be replenished by God. To really understand that God wants to, to, to really just put into our minds that, hey, I love you. You are worth everything to me. And as long as you know that I love you, no one else should matter. No one else's relationship should matter. No one else, as much as it matters to me, God says. So I want you to think about that, you know. For those of you who are still dating, set some good standards, amen? For those of you who are about to start dating, set good standards. For those of you who have problems with family members, do the right thing. Set a good standard for your children, for your people. But another toxin, Brother Freddie, that hits the church is depression. And the reality is, is that we can be here all day, filled up with the whole complete church and that other side over there. And you'd be, you'd be surprised how many church people are in depression. When God says, I freed you from that. Yeah, God, but I still feel this way. I want to still be in depression, God. I still want to be in that room over there that says depressed. And God says, you don't have to. I know, but I want to. Because it's tied to self-worth. If you don't feel good about yourself, you feel down. Then someone else comes around and probably says something like, hey, um, your makeup looks a little weird today. Oh. And then there you go. There you go. Then you're feeling bad. Because you allowed someone to dictate to you, which was the enemy in reality. He dictated to you and said, go tell them this because they're going to feel bad and they're going to go into depression. And they're going to think they're ugly. And then they're going to think that they're not worth it. And then after a while, they're just going to sit there and they're going to be all lonely and miserable. We're hearing more and more of suicides at a younger age. Uh, I mean, on average, you know, the average suicide is between, uh, I want to say, 10 to, not even that, yeah, around 10 to 18 years. My kids are all in that range. I guarantee if, you, if we were to ask them if they've ever had a thought just that the enemies try to put in their mind, they'd all raise their hand. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to kill the seed. Because his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. 
He wears down those people, those tires little by little. He wears you down, wears you down to the point where you're breaking. And instead of going to God, we turn to everything else at times. Does that make sense? We begin to look at alcohol and say, I need a quick fix. I, I, you know, I got to go. I need another boyfriend real quick because I, I feel lonely, God. And come on, God, send me that one person. And I just need to feel that love again from somebody. And you look for the next hit. And then you go to the next hit. And then you get dumped. And then I'm looking for the next guy. Where's the next guy? Where's the next guy? And then I don't care what kind of guy it is or what kind of girl it is. As long as it's somebody that's going to give me love, I'm going to take him. And then you lower your standard. When in reality, if you just take a step back and say, God, I need you to step in right now. He attacks their minds, their self-worth, and their influence, and convinces them that taking their life is far better than keeping it. We have a major problem. we got to get depression out of your mind because depression is not of God. Depression will keep you a slave no matter who you are. It has no bias and no prejudice. It will take you if you're the pastor. It will take you if you're the kid of a pastor. It, it will do everything it can to destroy you. But if you're smart which we all are, you will overcome it because you will recognize and say, wait a second, I feel this way. Why do I feel this? Why do I feel sad? Because somebody told me that I looked ugly, but that's their opinion. They're ugly too. <laughs> that's just, uh, you know, sometimes that's, sometimes I'm not a good person when I think like that, but uh, this just me being hard. But no, the, the spiritual side of things is honestly, you look at that and you say, God, why am I really hurting about this? Why do I carry existing baggage, God? Because I need you to deal with it. And when God deals with it, guess what? You feel like a weight's been lifted off of you. Because he's delivered you from that. But you got to recognize it. It doesn't start overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Little comments here and there. Relationships here and there. They slowly start eating at you. And if you don't let God deal with it, it will mess you up. Depression is real, church. The enemy slowly is strategic and he does it. But I want you to know that God says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, so can you. Amen? The truth is that you may feel that no one cares about you. Or you may feel, you may have questions as to why somebody close. I could question all day why my grandfather passed away. Do you know he was like 60-something years old? Super young. And I hear about these grand, grandmas and grandpas that smoke, they've been smoking their life away. And they're like 80-something years old and they're smoking their life away. And I thought to myself, man, my grandpa served God for all of his, the majority of his life. He wasn't smoking, but he died young. And I could sit there and say, God, that's not fair. But I don't. Because I trust God to know that if he had to go, it was his time. I trust God to know that God knows all things. Amen? Just like he knows what the plan for your life is. You, you, you don't have to sometimes understand it, but you got to trust God in it. You're here today because God has a plan for you. You may be thinking, I would never think my, I'd be in this small little church right now with these brothers, this crazy pastor that talks all passionately about things and yells at times. And I never thought I'd be in this place like that. But God has a plan for you. you got to trust him. But you got to ask God, God, I need my mind. I need you to continue detoxing my mind. 
I need to get rid of these thoughts, these ideas, these, these things that are not of you, this influence that is not of you that says drink a beer to get, make me feel better or, or go smoke a joint to make me get that high again, that, you know, whatever it is, I don't know what you struggle with or, or I got to go sleep with somebody to feel loved again. Because whatever it is that you deal with on a daily basis, God wants to detox your mind. He wants to get that from you, take it from you, and say, get this junk out of here. Let me give you what you should be thinking on. Here you go. I'm going to give you a new mind. And no longer do you set your standards low anymore. You're like, uh, no, dude, get back. Girl, please, get back. I know what you're trying to do. Let us all stand. The reality is this. Let me tell you something, church. I don't come up here and preach things that I don't apply to my life. Everything I've preached to you so far, at one point in time, I've either struggled with, I've dealt with, I've dealt with family members who've dealt with it. And I want you to know that it's a reality of what we live in. This world is sick. It's evil. It's a sick world. It's a sad world. But the truth is that many of you are, are dealing with depression. You deal with that. You deal with the depression and you don't know how to get out of it. You don't know how to step out of that mode you're in. And you put a smile and how are you doing, brother? How are you doing, sister? Oh, I'm doing great. Smile and yes, I'm doing great. And then the moment they leave, they're like, not really. I'm not doing that good. But God wants to deliver you from that. He wants to take that out of your mind. And the sooner that you recognize those toxins that are in your mind and you get them out, the more happy you're going to be. I promise you. The more your relationships will succeed. The more that your marriage will be blessed. The more that your, your, your relationship with your family will be. As if you can take out the toxin. God, remove the toxin. God, remove the toxin. Get this out of my mind, God. This isn't of you. I hate my mom or I hate my dad or I can't stand them because they left me when I was young. God, but that's not you, God, because you never stopped loving me. Let me just share with you to the church. God doesn't want a depressed church, okay, to go out there and help a depressed world or a sad world. You can't help somebody if you're in that same situation. You have to step out of it. You, you need to be the light, the salt, the salt of this world, not lose flavor. You're important to God. Your past, your failures, your broken promises, your failed relationships with people. God says, I can restore all that and I'll make it better for you. But you got to get it out of your mind. You got to rid the toxin out. Hallelujah. I know God is working in you. And I thank God that you're here today and that you're watching online. Because there is no there are no coincidences with God. You're here because God said, "I need you to be here to listen." I need you to be here to put this in your heart. Because I know you're struggling. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I ask that you come forward.